What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace the fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Glenn Lundy, and his story is going to rock you. Glenn is the father to seven, highly intentional, and the master of early mornings. He has a Facebook live show called Rise and Grind. This conversation will greatly get your mind going about how to grow in your role as a father, and his story is going to rock you because he shares how he hit rock bottom and how he got up and really got intentional about the man that he is today. Enjoy. Please write a review and share it so that other fathers know how valuable they are and how important their role is. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Really pumped to be talking fatherhood with my new friend, Glenn Lundy. What's up, Glenn? How are you today? I am great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Every time I sit down to talk fatherhood, man, I just got a big smile on my face because usually I'm talking to other, other men who are also passionate about their fatherhood role. Heck yeah, dude. This is a great opportunity. I appreciate you sharing this space and time with me. I don't get to talk a whole lot of fatherhood stuff all the time. So this will be exciting. Nice. Well, to give our listeners just a kind of a quick introduction of who you are, I'm just going to rapid fire a few questions. Um, How old are you right now? I am 42, I believe. 42. (laughs) All right. And then how many years you've been married? A decade, right, right, right at 10 years. All right. And then how many children do you have? I have seven children going on eight. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> oh, man, that's incredible. What's the age span? So from negative, uh, what, a few months to? So I have a 21-year-old. Okay. And then there's a gap, a 10-year gap. And then I have an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, a I think she just turned 5, and then I have a 3-year-old and an 18-month-old and one on the way. Wow. And then is this going to keep happening or what? No, 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 <laughs> no, it's not. No. It's not, no. Uh, my wife kept saying she wanted more, she wanted more, she wanted more, and on this last one, uh, she walked up to me in the bathroom, put the pregnancy test on the table and said, I'm never touching you again. <laughs> and that's when I knew we're done. We nice. reached the pinnacle. Man, that's cool though. Big family. I love it. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, man. There's uh, there's a lot to be said about having a big family, you know, with lots of, lots of memories that are created daily, some mm-hmm. good, some bad, um, but lots of memories. It's always exciting. Every day is new. Yeah, it's it's an adventure, that's for sure. So what do you do for a living in maybe just a couple minutes to help help people understand like how do you provide for the family? What is it that you do in the day to day? Yeah, there's a couple things. So I always tell people, you know, I'm a husband to one, a father to seven, and I am a 22-year automotive professional as well as the host of the wildly popular Facebook live show hashtag Rise and Grind. Love so it. I work with leaders in the auto industry, owners, general managers. I work with them uh, to help them scale their volume, their profitability, their employee retention, and the overall dealership culture. And then we also have with the Rise and Grind side, we have uh, a clothing line. We have events that we put together typically in normal situations. Yep. Uh, we have you know coaching and, and, and things like that over on the Rise and Grind side as well. Nice. You know, what What I really liked um, just kind of doing my little bit of research on you is how you've incorporated the two. So clearly you're passionate about the rise and grind. Uh, you wrote your book on uh, morning routines, but you've incorporated that in your your website where it talks about, you know, the, the automotive industry that you're involved in, but also bringing your passion of the rise and grind into it. How did you decide not to separate those two? You know, they, they, they existed at the same time originally. And so we've kind of just kept with that. So I was running a dealership 
a large dealership in Paris, Kentucky. I was the general manager there. Uh, and, and when I first started Rising Grind, so mm. the first episode of Rising Grind was January 6th of 2018, and I still had the full time job at the dealership um, at that point. And so Rising Grind was really just a, an outlet where I wanted to create a space, a safe place online for people with motivation, education, inspiration. There was just so much negativity and division online. So I wanted to create mm. that. Also, from a marketing standpoint, it made a whole lot of sense because people are the first hour of the day is when people's minds are consuming the most. And so I thought if we could do a show early and I used to say, I'm, my name is Glenn Lundy. I'm a husband to, you know, back then it was like husband to one and a father to five, I think. Who knows? Yeah. The, the kids just keep going. But then I would follow it and say, and I'm the general manager at Dan Cummins Chevrolet and Buick in Paris, Kentucky, the second largest used car franchise dealership in America. And I used to say that every single day, which would stick from a marketing yeah. standpoint. Mm -hmm. It was a jingle. So we were able to create both. We were able to serve people first thing in the morning with motivation, education, inspiration. And from a business standpoint, it was incredible for marketing and, and advertising. And so once I left the dealership, uh, the retail side of automotive, now I'm working with leaders in different stores besides I was before I was in a store. So once I left, we just kind of continued the you know, continued to keep them together. Cause really what I do when I go teach leaders is the same stuff I'm teaching on you know, rise and grind, right, right. a little more intimate, a little more high level. Um, but really, if you want to build your business, you got to build yourself as a, as, as a better human to begin with. So that's, uh, that's how it all lined up. No doubt. Well, I love to see when, when that you have your, you know, passion alongside what you do. Cause I think a lot of times we separate the two. So just wanted to say that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Thank um, you. as you've been a father and been through some different stages, what have been some of the best resources to you, whether that be a person, a book, a podcast, a mentor, whatever it is, has there been some resources you could point to that were, were beneficial to you? Yeah. You know, there's, we live in an incredible era, right? Mm. It's 2020 and we have access to, uh, you know, so much, so, so much information. And so tapping into self-development, uh, learning from the greats like Jim Rohn and John Maxwell and Les Brown yeah. and Eric Thomas and Tony Robbins and Simon Sinek and Zig Ziglar and, Bob Proctor and, uh, you know, just learning from, from all of those greats as I've developed as a human. And then of course, you know, my Bible as, as well, mm -hmm. uh, being, being the, the best selling book of all time. And so learning from those things on how to be just a better, a better human, a better person, a better, not just father, but just a better person overall has been an incredible resource, you know, kind of in this parenting journey. Um, but I would say, Ned, on the other side of that, you know, my kids, uh, mm. each one has taught me so much, man. Yeah, they're, no doubt. They're so different, their personalities, the way they react to things, the way I respond to the way they react, like tells me a lot about what's going on in my heart and my mind, right. my world. And so you know, all of the tools that are available, all of the books and all of that stuff is, is great. But the, I think the biggest resource has just been experiencing being with these imaginative, limitless, amazing little beings, man. And, and I've just learned so much from them. I, I literally just watch them. I study them. I'm like, how did they react to that? Why don't I react that way? How imaginative was that? Why am I not that imaginative? How creative yeah. is that? Why am I not that creative? You know what I mean? So the experience itself has probably been the biggest resource overall, but having all of those other tools and books and, and people to lean on has been very helpful as well. So two questions come to mind. So one is, as you start to talk about these little amazing beings, right? Like my my whole... Just your cadence changed, your 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 excitement and joy around it. So, what is it that you've either realized about the opportunity you have with them, or what is it that that makes you so excited about them? Man, they they're so smart and unhindered, right? Like we, as we get older, 
we just layer after layer after layer of don't do this, can't do that, that yeah. didn't work, we failed at that, limitation, limitation. Like we just get bogged down with it, I think, every day as we continue to age. And so when I watch them, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no safety nets and they don't care. There's no previous limiting belief. Like it's just sky's the limit. They, they feel like they can reach as far as they want. They can climb as high as they want. I mean, my son, dude, my son and, and Savannah now too, like we have these trees in the front yard that are, I don't know, 70 feet high. Like these are some tall, tall trees, man. And they just climb right up to the top. Like it's nothing. And it scares the, you know, scares me to death as their father. I would never climb up there, but they, they can climb up there and enjoy themselves and they have so much fun. And, and so I think it's just their fearless ability to really extract joy from any situation to be able to dream and cast out visions uh, they don't, none of my kids are on social media or that none of them have iPhones or we just, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't play into that. And so we've got 10 acres of land. We've got a pond, we've got trees and, and they've got a couple, you know, four wheelers and dirt bikes and they live outside, right? It's yeah. like a weird thing where they live outside. So I think just ultimately seeing their fearless, like unlimited belief in themselves and and the environment around them is really what inspires me uh, to to just continue watching and be more like them. Yeah. So so kudos because there's a couple of things I hear that you're doing. One, the simple we can we can go. Wow, you're going to let your kid climb a seventy foot tree. So one is you are allowing that space, right? You're allowing failure. Okay, struggle. You're allowing that regardless of if you think it's the safest. I mean, obviously you're going to step in it at some point, you know, they got sure. trying to put four on the dirt bike with no helmets. You're probably going to step in, but you know, there, there's some limits, but you no have, doubt. you have paid attention to that. And then on the other hand is clearly you have created some kind of rhythm in your own life where you're not so bogged down every single day with everything that you have to do. Cause life gets very full. I hate the word sure. busy. Sure. Um, to where you're able to like take this higher view and see the beauty of the freedom and joy that children have. So what kind of structure have you put in your own life to, to allow yourself the freedoms to not just be so stuck in the fullness that many of us dads find ourselves in? Yeah. So I was in the dealership world and while I was in the dealership world, I kind of had a vision in mind of making an impact in this industry, right? I wanted mm. to make a big impact. And I'm a worker. I love to work. Uh, I, I look forward to it. You know, yeah. Monday is my favorite day of the week. Like, let's go. We're back, we're back <laughs> work, right? So I love working. And I was putting in a lot of work building that company. We were able to grow it um, substantially. And there were a lot of rewards on the backside for my family and so on and so forth. But as my kids started to get a little bit older, it started to weigh kind of heavy on me that, mm. you know, yes, I was being I was being intentional about my time with them and my time with my wife. I was being very intentional about that. But at the same time, you know, showing up 10 minutes after the soccer game starts and leaving 10 minutes before the right. soccer game ends to get back to work is not ideal. So I created an opportunity for me to be able to start my own business. And luckily, God blessed that. And so when I stepped out, one of the very first things that my wife and I discussed and some of my mentors discussed is we are going to build our our business around our life. Yeah. We're, we're not going to build our life around our business anymore, which don't get me wrong, there's seasons for that, man. Like right. you got to earn it. You know, I put in 20 years before I was able to go out on my own. Um, but once I got that opportunity, that was the most important thing. How do we build a business around our lifestyle and not the other way around? And so in that thinking, we've been able to create you know, opportunities now where we do a lot of things virtually. I work with people all over the country, um, but I, a lot of my clients, I never, I never step foot into their 
to their facilities that, that, you know, their dealerships. I never step foot in there. When we do meet up with some of our clients, we do it on our terms. We'll pick like a location and we'll go do a retreat for two or three days. Um, and I'll yeah. bring all my clients to me versus going out to each individual client. Uh, we do a lot of things in groups, which to be honest with you, Ned, when we do things in groups, not only does it compress time, but it's empowering for all the other people in the group, right? Two heads are better than one. 10 heads yeah. are better than two. 20 are better than 10. And so once we started creating our business in a way that we could serve more people in a compressed time, it really unlocked uh, a, a lot of windows to do other things. You know, I'm on schedule. If you look at my calendar, you'll see stuff. I'm a time blocker. So there's stuff on my schedule. But on that schedule is like three hours with my wife. Uh, mm. breakfast with my kids, dinner with my kids, taco Tuesdays. As soon as I leave here, we're going to do taco Tuesdays. All that stuff's on my calendar. And technically my entire business operates on 12 hours a week, 12 hours a week where I have to be somewhere with someone. It only, it's, it's been condensed to 12 hours a week. And in those 12 hours, I'm able to serve uh, 47 dealerships across the country. I'm able to serve thousands of people in Rise and Grind and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think people don't realize that things don't really take as long as they think they do when you yeah. start to really compress it, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So just to deviate from that a little bit, but to talk about you listed uh, uh, listed names. Um, and I just like to spend a minute here. Tony Robbins, Simon Sinek, all this stuff. Uh, incredible leaders, influencers. And you talked about personal development. Now, a lot of guys who are not business owners, what would you say to them? Because it's easy to justify, oh, I'm going to go to Tony Robbins. You know, they do the, th he does his um, thing, you know, right before Thanksgiving, it's 500 bucks. That's really for business owners. But what would you say to the dad who is working at some company, whatever, but he's still a dad, his, his role as father is like a CEO of a company. I mean, it's, it's critically important. I mean, maybe even more so than running a company is you're with this family for the rest of your life. So what would you say to a dad who's like, ah, I don't need Tony Robbins or this, that, or the other personal development. Would you say that the personal development is just as, if not more important for the dad to do for himself as a father of a home? Hands down, man. Every everybody needs a coach, right? Mm. Everybody needs a coach, and and again, luckily we're in 2020, so you can find coaches for free. Like money is no longer an excuse. That used mm. to be an excuse. You used to that's have to really go to good. A retreat, go to an event. That's not an excuse anymore. So Jordan had a coach. Kobe had a coach. You know, everybody's got. <clears throat> Every great person has a, has a coach or a mentor. Eric Thomas, number one motivational speaker in the world. You know, Warren Buffett was somebody that really poured into him and, and helped him grow and develop and become the person that he is, is, is today. But everybody's got a coach, man. You so, so then with that, okay, so everybody's got a coach. What would you tell the dad when he's like, well, what do I need a coach for? What would you say? It's like he needs to find his why, right? To realize that his wife and his kids and his legacy. So what would you say in regards to that? When he's like, what do I need? A, what do I need a coach for? Dude, you need a coach because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't have a clue what you don't know. None of us do. So that's where the coach comes in, man. The coach can see things you can't see, right? The coach is going to be the one that tell you, tells you your breath stinks because you can't smell it yourself, right? Mm. The coach is going to tell you that you need to you need to clean up the way you're dressed or you got your zippers down, right? Like that's 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 what a coach is there for is to be able to see from an outside perspective. The craziest things about about human beings, we're this these modern marvels, man. We're technologically advanced. Our brains are so high powered and fully functioning. And the way that our cells come together is crazy. And the organs and everything that they can produce and our ability to create and so on and so forth. But in the midst of all of that, the one thing that we can't do is see ourselves. Yeah. You cannot see yourself in real time. I mean, I can maybe look in a mirror or something, but in real time, I can't see myself. And, and so how many... And how many men are not putting them in a putting themselves in a position where anybody's speaking into their life, right? They're just cruising. And, and I think you're if you at the end of your life, you're gonna really want to look in the mirror and be proud of the man you see, but that takes work today. So I just I love what you're saying, man. I I love it. I don't know any last thoughts before I move to the next question on that. 
Yeah, the last thought is you got to keep in mind that we are all influenced, right? I think right now mm. in this season, uh, we've been able to see more than ever how influential we can be. I mean, yeah. in a matter of weeks, months, they were able to 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 shift a narrative. Uh, whether you believe in the narrative, don't believe in the narrative, whatever, they were able to do it like that, man, because yeah. we are influenced by the, the, the content that we consume. And so knowing that the last little note I want to say on this is be really careful who you allow into that space, right? You're being influenced one way or another, whether you want to be or not. So I suggest that you be intentional about who you're going to be influenced by. I choose to be influenced by great leaders. I choose to be influenced by, by pastors that I believe in. I choose to be influenced by people that are doing what I want to do, not being influenced by my buddy down the street or, you know, somebody that uh, I work with in the factory or whatever. So choose choose your influencers with intention. And that's how you can really level up to start to see the things that are inside you that you don't even know exist. Man, and this is really just a perfect lead into the next question because the next question is, what do you, Glenn, believe the role of a father is? And you're going to give me your answer in a moment. But any dude who's listening right now, nobody maybe ever asked you that question. Like, what do you think the role is? So if you sat down and you pondered that and thought, what is the role? And you write down, you're going to all of a sudden realize there's some areas to level up if I want to live up to what I believe the role of a father is. So then it gives you this incredible why to want to go read a book, to go listen to some podcasts from some of these great leaders, to be able to level up the way that you're loving your spouse and leading your children. And yeah, so good. So Glenn, when you think of the role of the father, what's your, what's your response? I think the role as as a father, my role as a father is to empower my children to become the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be. I, th I, I know that my dad personally felt like his role was to discipline, to give boundaries, to... Uh, I don't want to say control. He was very controlling, but I don't think he intentionally went out to control, but he just felt like his role was to give me boundaries and protect and get mm -hmm. me to 18. Right. Whereas I feel like the real role of a father is to help your children create a life that they want to live, a life filled with joy, a life of abundance and to be guardrails, right? I think it's important that there's some guardrails and, and maybe share with them life lessons that we've experienced that can yeah. help move them forward. Um, but ultimately it's just to let them explore, man. Let them explore and and have adventures and discover how amazing that they truly are in their uniqueness and their giftedness. Mm. Man, it's so rich. And I know if, if we're listening, we could just kind of like glide over. Those are some great words, discover, explore, adventure. But as we've already talked for 20 minutes, it's like you already have shown you purposely live on 10 acres. You purposely have created some opportunities to go explore outside. And so these terms aren't just fancy things that you're saying because we happen to be talking about fatherhood, the things that it sounds as though you're really creating the space for those things in your children's life, um, which I think is incredible because you're, and the word create, I love the word create. You got to give them space to create and not every second be super structured. Um, yeah, really rich. Uh, because you're the one providing that opportunity, you know, right. you're creating that. I love it. So this podcast, the, the overarching theme is rebel and create. Um, and the idea is that we're all warriors inside of us, right? We want to rebel. We want something to fight for, fight against, but not just for the sake of being destructive, that, that we want to create something beautiful out of it. So what's something that you are rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really rebelling against, and I, I, I like that, that term. It takes me back to my childhood, <laughs> but, uh, I, I feel like I have been called to rebel against a couple things, but conformity is one, right? Uh, I believe that conformity is such it's it's really like the root nearly the root of all evil mm -hmm. 
you know, when, when, when we're taught to conform, which is what a lot of us have been taught for a very long time, whether you want to call it, you know, it's just, uh, through our education systems or through different systemic systems that have gone on for generations and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, this desire to blend and fall in line has become commonplace. And I think that that's a big tremendous reason that we have anxiety disorders that are through the roof, depression issues that are through the roof. Uh, everyone's trying so hard to conform and to fit in when in reality, the joy and the true uh, uh, vast wealth of, of, of energy comes from standing out, man, mm -hmm. by being uniquely you, 100% uniquely yourself specifically made, you know, with experiences and, and, and no one thinks like you, no one talks like you, no one walks like you, no one, no one has experienced what you've experienced and therefore no one can accomplish what you can accomplish. Yeah. No one can, you know? And so that's the biggest thing that we try to rebel against with, with rise and grind, you know, we're, I'm up at three fifty AM, man. I'm up at three I'm doing a show at five 30. We've done nice 30 episodes, uh, in the auto industry. We've done things that people have never seen or done before. I just, I look at what everyone's doing and I'm like, okay, how can we 180 degrees go the other way? and provide a better experience for the people that we have a chance to make an impact in their lives. Mm, man, super rich. So rebel against conformity and really to create, I just love the word unique, right? And, and you, you mentioned it, all of us have something unique about us, right? And I love to say, you know, don't be like the dad next door, be yourself. That's who your kids and spouse needs. They don't need you to be like the guy next door. They need you to be the version of you that that is going to bring them the most life. And that's if you're, you know, digging into yourself, getting in tune with who you are, or where you're headed. Um, so I, I love what you're rebelling against and, and clearly creating a life around that. Yeah. It's good. It's important if I can, Ned, let me, let me, yeah, uh, please. Can I, can I explore this real quick with, with, with whoever's listening uh, to, to the fathers out there? I want, I want everyone to understand because I know, I know dudes, right? I know, I know dudes, I know fathers, I know dads. And, and, and pretty much we all like, like everybody wants to be, you know, everybody says they're lying, right? Like I'm a lion, rawr, right? I'm a, I'm a lion. I'm the king of the jungle. Like, and then the, and that type of thing. And I think what a lot of people don't know and understand is that the alpha lion himself typically has the shortest lifespan. Now, here's why. Because the alpha lion is always having to fight. He's always having to protect. He's, he's having to do all these things all the time. Uh, and and in, in, in the wild, that obviously can lead to injuries, which we don't, there's no medical treatment, so on and so forth, right? So they have the shortest lifespan. In the animal kingdom as a whole, standing out is dangerous. Elephants, big, massive, strong animals right? They run in packs because to stand out is dangerous. The alpha lion, it's dangerous. And even in human beings, you see it over time, people that stand out, it puts them in a dangerous position. Trump stood out. Look at the, I mean, oh my goodness, Zuckerberg, right? Bezos, any of these people that break the norm, Elon Musk, they break the norms and it becomes a dangerous position. So because of that, inherently, we as human beings will literally limit ourselves to blend. Mm. We, we know that to stand out can be dangerous. We, we mm. know that, we've experienced that, we've watched that. So we have these mental limitations that are like, I could achieve, but I'm gonna hang on right here. I could be this type of father, but I think I'm gonna, this is where it's safe. This is how my dad did it. This is how my buddies do it, right? So we tend to bring ourselves back down. So because it's not a natural thing, this goes back to why we have to have good coaching, good mentors, good the, uh, uh, absorbing good content and material. Because it's not natural to be unique, it's not natural to stand out, you have to work at it. Like, being uniquely you sounds like, oh, well, I just get to be myself. No, like being uniquely you takes hard work and discipline. You have to 
you have to keep yourself, you have to be so intentional about your belief systems, your core values, the things that you won't sway on, that you won't allow anyone else in, right? Like you, it takes, it takes work, dude. You have to create yeah. a habit and thought processes in order to do it. And so I just want to challenge the fathers out there, man, you know, break out of the norm. I know it's dangerous and I know it's uncomfortable, but golly, it's rewarding when you do, man. Mm, Glenn, that is so good. What allowed you to unlock that? What was it that 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 helped Glenn unlock the ego, the whatever, limiting your potential as a human being? System. And then I have a second question. Once you ask that, once you answer sure. that, systems, 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 <clears throat> systems. So when 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 I was floating around, you know, just kind of doing whatever, going to bed when I want, getting up when I want, so on and so forth. When I was a floater it was easy to get off track. It was easy mm. to fall into situations that would go against my core values or so on and so forth. It wasn't until I could put some real hard line systems in place. So especially my morning routine, yep. I'm up at 350, no snooze, no phone, gratitude, goals, take care of the physical, send out an encouraging message. You know, I, I, I spend time in thought. I write out my show. I deliver my show. After my show, I respond to my comments. I go back home. I have breakfast with my kids. Like systems, man, because when we're emotionally off, which is easy to, it's easy to get emotionally yeah. off. You, you, you know, somebody calls you, they piss you off. You see something on social media, it makes you mad. What, whatever we can get triggered. We're, we're, we're fragile beings in reality. Right, right. Right. So the system is there to catch you, right. To catch you and keep you on track when emotionally you might not be feeling it. If that, if that makes sense. So I would uh, say system, yeah. system, systems, my man. So then if I'm going, you know what? I don't own a business. Like that sounds good. You're successful because you own a business and you need to do those things. But, you know, I just got to be to work at eight, done at five. I don't really need a system. Oh what would God. your answer be? My answer would be you are in the system, brother. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the system. You just don't realize it yet. Uh, there is That's so good. much truth to be found when you create space for self serving the man whoever whoever the man is right serving the man just serving your job just going through the motions is going to land you in a place that you don't want to go let's just let's just say that you know maybe it's a pit of alcohol maybe it's a mm -hmm. pit of uh pornography abuse maybe it's a pit of you're just going to be constantly seeking some sort semblance of of uh of joy right so if you can create space with a system i have a system don't mess with me the first hour of the day period and the reason it's 350 for me is because i got seven kids dude like yeah the world comes at me fast. So that from 350 to 450, that's my hour to work on me, to make sure I'm clear headed, to build my foundation, to explore, to adventure, to dream, to cast vision. You know, that's my space for that. And so I would say if you're working a nine to five or an eight to five or whatever it is, and you're waking up and you're getting out of bed at the last minute and you're running through the motions and you're getting dressed and then you're running off and you're kissing the baby and you're going off to work and you're trudging through it, and you're coming home and you're eating dinner and then you're watching freaking Netflix from 7 p.m. until you go to bed again, I would challenge you to create one hour a day. Just create one hour a day for self and watch how it transforms your life. How many days in a row would you suggest kick that off, right? So you'd have to commit, right? Because you're motivated right now because you're listening. The motivation is going to go away in a couple days. You won't care anymore. So it can't be based on motivation. It has to be based on some kind of outcome. So what would you say <clears throat> the days in a row you would suggest to kick it off? Because you'd have to commit, right? You commit without worrying about the motivation. Yes, you have to commit. And there's one thing interesting about the word commitment. Commitment doesn't care how you feel, mm. right? Just, just say, so you know, commitment doesn't care if you're sick, if you're tired, if you traveled, if you stayed up too late, commitment doesn't care. If you're committed, you're committed. 67 days is how long it takes biologically for something to become easier to do than to not do. 
So there's plenty of theories on how long it takes to create a habit, so on and so forth. Uh, Harvard and Stanford went together and they did a study, a biological study of human beings. And it took 67 days before biologically there is a shift in your mind and in your physicality. There's an actual shift to where something becomes easier to do than to not do. On day 66, it's easier to not do it. On day 67, it's easier to do it. This is why most people fail at their New Year's resolutions. This is why most people fail at weight loss plans. This is why most people fail at creating any type of new habit because they don't, they completely underestimate how long it takes before your brain will stop trying to talk you out of it. For the first 66 days, your brain's going to go, no, you don't feel well today. You've done so good for so long. You can stop. <laughs> you did You did all these days. Like your brain is going to try to drag you back to the yeah. land of comfort, right? T.D. Jakes talks about this. He says, you know, we came from the earth. Therefore, we're always going to be drawn back to it. It takes an amazing amount of force and energy before we can actually get lift off and break free of these gravitational forces that are trying to bring us back to comfort, bring us back to standard, bring us back to average. So 67 days on day 67, I promise it's easier to do it than to not do it at that point. Oh, okay. So I got something to say, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So uh, what I would challenge all dudes listening right now is <clears throat> you're, let's just say the average dude's about 40 listening to this. You're halfway through your life, maybe. I mean, I'm trying to live to 100. I don't know about you. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's moving with us. Let's go yeah. 120. Okay, 120. <laughs> um, but say you're halfway through your life. 67 days sounds like, oh, goodness. But think about yourself at 80 years old looking in the mirror or who's standing around your bed. What kind of man do you want them to be looking at? Are you setting your family up for future? success, future generations, your great, 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 great grandchildren based on the way that you lived. So 67 days, if you think about life that way, 67 days is nothing. nothing. It means nothing at all. And and what's if you really are listening to Rebel and Create and you want to rebel and you want to go actually create something, go spend 68 days, go one day further, you know, go check out, go to glenlendy.com on your website. You can go to the rise and grind. You have your free um, morning routine book. People can download that, right? Yep, okay. Absolutely. That's a Great place to start. Start there and then just come up with a morning routine and then for 67 days, do it. And if Glenn's a liar, then stop doing it. But if he's not, you just set yourself up for building a stronger legacy yeah, for your family. Uh, your you're 67 days that goes beyond your own life. That's oh, it. dude, why? That's it. I, I'm fired up. Let's just go to yeah, bed so we can get up early it. tomorrow. And as far as the 67 days, so the morning five is the book that I wrote, Five Simple mm -hmm. Steps to an Extraordinary Life. And if you actually go to themorning5.com with the number five, you can download that ebook for free. You can get to it from glennlundy.com also. But um, on there, it shows right at the top, it says 67 day challenge. If you commit and do it every day for 67 days and you take a picture and post it on social media every one of those 67 days and you use the hashtag themorning5. At the end of the 67 days, you send me a video telling me that it how it how it impacted your life, whether good, bad. I mean, it's always good, but whether good, bad, you tell me how it impacted your life and we'll send you rise and grind gear. I've got like a duffel bag, T-shirts, hats, water bottles. Like we'll send it to anyone that completes the 60 day, seven day challenge because I believe in it so much that I'm willing to put, you know, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is, dude. Mm. And and it is hard. It sounds easy, you know, kind of don't snooze, don't this. It's hard, dude. It takes yeah, it takes no a lot of time and energy, but it's it, it's worth it. It'll make an impact in your life. Uh, I know it made an impact in mine, that's for sure. Man, so good. So I'd like to take a wicked turn here because I think sometimes we get caught up and we we we're hearing these voices talk. And sometimes we we just go, "Man, these guys life just they got lucky." Right. And so I'd like my, my, my wicked turn here is, is I think it's healthy for people to hear a little bit more of your story. And I'd like to hear a little bit more. One of the things you had mentioned to me is uh, something that happened when you lost custody of your daughter at age six and how that transforms things for you. Is that all right to talk about for a couple of minutes? Yeah, 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 of course. Let's do it. Yeah. I'd like to hear about it. Yeah. So I got in the auto industry when I was 20 and uh, working at a Nissan Subaru store. And like I said earlier, I'm a worker, man. So it was all, it was just, you know, balls to the wall. Let's go. We're going to work. Let's get it done. And 
So I had my daughter uh, at that time. She was she was new when I first got into the industry, mm. and she was not a priority to me at all. Um, I was young and dumb, and and my priority was you know kick butt, make money, and I also liked the party lifestyle outside of that. So work all day, you know, work hard, play hard. That was that yeah. was me. Work hard, play hard, and so my career went really well as far as. You know, I, I continued to level up in the auto industry, but outside of that, my life at home was a mess, man. It was a wreck. And so my daughter's mother and I split up when uh, when she was two years old. And for a while, we, her and I had a civil relationship. I still wasn't making my daughter number one priority um, in my life, but she spent a lot of time with me. Her mom was a, a captain for an ambulance company. So, you know, so she spent time with me. I raised her till she was six years old. And then uh, one day she, her mom was supposed to bring her back. And instead of her mom bringing her back, she had taken her for the weekend. And instead of her bringing her back, I got a knock on the door and it was a process server uh, mm. saying that, you know, her mom wanted full custody. And so I hadn't posi positioned myself well financially to be able to do anything about it. I was blowing through every dollar that I was making. Uh, I had a reputation around town of, you know, partying and getting into trouble and so on and so forth. And so uh, basically with this letter, I had 30 days, 30 days in the state of Arizona. If you're not married, even if you're on the birth certificate, you don't have any rights as a father. It's a mother. It's called a mother's rights state. Wow. And so I had 30 days to go in, get DNA tests and prove that I was the father and then go through court process, so on and so forth, to be able to earn those rights since we were never married. And uh, I wasn't in a position to do it. And my family didn't, you know, we didn't have money growing up and so on and so forth. And so 30 days after I got that letter, she was gone. I wasn't allowed to contact her. I wasn't allowed to, to do anything. And um, I had a very victim mentality back then. It was everybody else's fault. It wasn't mine. And so I packed up everything that I owned, threw it in the back of my little Ford Mustang. And, uh, and I left, man, I, I, I basically ran away, just ran away from the problem, ran away from the people, ran away from the situations, uh, and did all that. And I spent a good year and a half of my life running and not taking any responsibility for, any of the, the 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 things. As a matter of fact, I took the opposite responsibility. As far as I was concerned, it was my responsibility to to screw you over, con you, get one over on you, like whatever I had to do to survive. Very Darwinistic mentality. Survival mm -hmm. of the fittest, bro. It was me against you. And uh, that mentality led me to uh, homelessness. Wow. Uh, I was homeless on the beaches of San Diego. That homelessness led me to hopelessness because there's nothing, nothing worse. People think when they think homeless, they think, oh, it sucks. You don't have food. You don't have money. You don't have a roof over your head. Really, the worst part about it being homeless, man, is you become invisible, mm. utterly invisible. People won't make eye contact with you and I don't blame them. I get it. You know, they don't know if you're going to mug them or maybe make them feel guilty or shame for by asking them for money and they ain't going to give you no money or they don't know. So they look up above you. They look around you to the side mm. of you. It's like you don't exist, man. And that just led to hopelessness and ultimately convincing myself that the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. Because wow. everyone I came in contact with, I was hurting. I was hurting my mom. I'd hurt, I'd hurt my daughter. I'd hurt uh, my daughter's mother. I, I just, I, I was hurting people, man. And so my, my thought process was, well, if I take my own life, then I can't hurt anybody anymore, you know? Hmm. Um, and that's really how I saw that. And so uh, I attempted to take my own life, swam out into the Pacific Ocean. I'm not a good swimmer. And uh, my thought process was I'll swim out as far as I can and I won't be able to make it back. And so I swam out as far as I could, reached a point where I literally thought I was going to drown. Uh, my head went under the water for what I believed was the last time and my feet hit the ground. Uh, the tide was coming in as I was trying mm. to swim out. I wasn't a strong enough swimmer to even get out past the tide. And so I rolled back up on the beach and 
that moment for me, as I laid there looking up at the stars, uh, I just realized like the universe is so big Hmm. and my problems in reality are really small and you can call it God or a whisper or a thought or a dream or a vision, whatever you want to call it. Um, But the next overwhelming sense that came over me was like, Glenn, you take yourself wherever you go, bro. Like you were in Flagstaff, you were in California, you were in all these places where all these bad things happen. Like you were there when you lost custody of your daughter. Like it's not everybody else's fault. You're the constant, bro. And that realization for me was, was a turning point. I wish I could say, you know, okay, great. Everything was perfect after that. Cause it wasn't cause I'm super stubborn. It took me a long time to get to where I am today. Um, but that was a turning point for me to, to go, okay, well, wait a minute. If I'm responsible for this life that I've created in a negative way, well, then I should be able to mm. be responsible for creating a life in a positive way. Wow. You know, and so from there, I started exploring spirituality and self-development and, and, and over time, uh, it's led me to where I am today. Glenn, man, that story is beautiful and I so appreciate you opening up and sharing it. Yeah, I mean, man. I had no idea, you know, where it would go. And I know you're you clearly an, an open kind of guy, but just so powerful. I mean, so powerful, you know, because if we would have just ended our conversation at the end of Rise and Grind, you know, I think that a lot of men lose sight of, wait a second, like there's always a story behind. Every human's got a story, you know? Okay. And, and I think everybody has the option to be a victim if they want to, I mean, different levels, right. You know, clearly you had gotten into a, a, a dark spot, you know, and I almost think it's, I almost think sometimes, you know, for the dudes who just live like super mediocre life and they never go down, they never go up. It's like, they miss that opportunity to like, you just hope they catch the story without having to get to that dark spot, you know? Or, right. or that they are in the mediocre spot. It's it's bad enough that they want to go to that level of where you're at today, mm-hmm. you know. Because everybody's got that opportunity. But man, your story is beautiful and and really valuable. And I just really appreciate you sharing it with us. Yeah, man. Thanks, Ned. I appreciate that. I really do. And how's your how's your relationship with your daughter now? So I she was gone for eight years. Um, I didn't see her from age six to age fourteen. Uh, she came back into my life at 14. We started writing letters back and forth and I had a very long chewed out session from her mother before all of that started. Um, she let, she let me know what those eight years meant uh, to her. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so she came back in my life when she was 14. She's 21 now. Her and I are still working on, um, developing our relationship. It's a little difficult because she's in Arizona. I'm in Kentucky, so we don't see each other a whole bunch. Um, but I love her. She loves me. And, uh, we're, we're continuing to get closer and closer as time goes on. So what I think is incredible about that is as much as I'm sure you would love to say, and we'd love to hear, she came back at 14 and we ran slowly through the airport and it's been epic ever since, right? (laughs) Clearly we both would want to hear that, but you said she's 21 and we're still working on it. That's right. And I think how powerful is that? Because one, your view isn't that you're the dad until they're 18, right? She came back at 14. That's been seven years. So it's been seven years and your comment was, and we're still working on it. Mm-hmm. And so I love that because that's the passion of a father, not, not giving up like, yeah, she's an adult now. She can go off and figure it out herself. Mm-hmm. You're going to continue to work on that clearly. But I, I just think that shouldn't go unnoticed, that statement of we're working on it. And every dad, no matter where your relationship is with your kid, continue to work on it. Right. You know, and that first falls on the dad, like, dude, work on that. I, I had a guy on who's actually in the auto industry and I told him I was on, he's like, oh my gosh, how'd you get connected to that guy? And um, his kids are in their thirties. And um, he has said that, he, you know, he is still constantly working on his relationship with his daughter, especially he has sure. boys, boys as well, but that, that relationship he, he had been a little harder on. And I just love that. Like sometimes I get caught up having younger kids, mine are seven to 14, you know, that, Oh, when they're 18, I'm not going to be a dad anymore. It's so not true. I mean, no way. <laughs> so much of that is even going to start at that age, right. Where I just want to be that, that person in their life working on that relationship. So, um, uh, man, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, um, 
All right. Well, we're, 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 I'm almost to my last question here, but before we, before I ask my last question, any last thoughts to fatherhood or anything that's on your mind or stories that had come up that I missed? Um, want to make sure to, to snag those if there's anything on your mind. No, man. I think, um, you know, I think we've tapped into, to a lot of it and it's, it's really been great to, to talk about these things and, you know, yeah. my, kids, my kids, they just, they, they light me up. They're so, they're so special, man. Um, I will share this real quick. So I have I have a handful of girls, five of them, and I have a couple of boys, right? Yeah. And uh, one of my one of my kids, her name's Meredith, and Meredith is blonde hair, blue eyes, like it's crazy, man. She's she doesn't look nothing like any of my other kids, right? <laughs> we 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 tease. I call her the uh, that I don't call her, but I, I to her mother we tease and say that she's the Amazon baby because dad was at work all the time and the Amazon guy was at the house, <laughs> right? Uh, but she's she's just this gorgeous, beautiful, um, beautiful little girl, and she's six now, and she's my buddy. When she was three, when I was still working at the, the dealership the way that I was, she would literally, when I would walk in the door, she would she would go like this and put her thumb down. Mm. She would just give me a thumbs down. Like all the other kids, I'd walk in, they'd come screaming, Daddy, Daddy's home. She'd just look at me, thumbs down. That's <laughs> brutal. Brutal, bro. Brutal. brutal. And uh, she did that for... She did that for a long time, man, mm. for, for over a year. Uh, I'd go travel. I'd go out of town. I'd do whatever. I'd come back, thumbs down. Like, mm. I used to tell my wife, I'm like, I think she hates me, dude. Like, she lit, like she, this girl does not like me. And uh, it hurt my feelings, like, really, really bad. And at one point, like, my initial... I don't want to say initial, but after it, after it drug on for a while, I reached a point where it started to make me angry. Like mm. you, know, you get, you're like, well, well, screw you then, you know, like yeah. you don't like me. I don't like you, you son of a gun. And, uh, I kind of started to get, to get to that point and things shifted a little bit. I started being more intentional with my time, more intentional with my mornings, more intentional with eating breakfast with them. Uh, and, and just starting to, to really discover what she's into. So she's a very independent person. She has her own little jam. She doesn't want to do what everybody else is doing. She's, she's, you, you could have 12 kids in a room running around chasing, you know, unicorns and eating ice cream. And she'd just be sitting over in a corner doing her own thing. Right. Unless she wants unicorns and ice cream. Right. Right. But once I really studied who she was, personality type, and this is at Mm. three, I think people think, well, I, I can't wait to see who they grow up into. No, 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 dad. They're, 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 they're a fully, they're a full human being now Yes, with personality and characteristics and likes and dislikes. And you can start now, whether that kid's two years old or one year old or five years old, whatever it is, start now identifying what that kid is made of. And so once I started to identify who Meredith was at her core, and I was able to start feeding into that, right? Serving her in the way that she wanted to be served, not treating her like every other kid, not treating her the way I would want to be treated, but treating her the way she wanted to be and serving her in that way. It, 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 it transformed, man. And Mm -hmm. I remember walking in from a trip and I walked in and she walked up. And she uh, gave me a freaking thumbs up, bro. Yeah. And I like cried and yeah. like picked her up and hugged her. And she's literally my buddy. We 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 are besties now. It's super, super cool. So I just want to share that with dads out there. If you're maybe struggling to connect uh, with any of your kids, you know, take the time to learn what they're about. It might not be what you're about. Yeah, might not be, and that's okay, right? That's okay. Find that's a powerful. way to serve them, and uh, they'll love you for it. Yeah, man, it's powerful. The role of the father is crucial, man, because the way that you responded to her at that age, I mean, is going to change the trajectory of her whole life. Mm. 
right? I mean, you choosing to be in tune, you choosing want to even admit my feelings are hurt, right? I mean, that's hard for us dudes. A, a three-year-old hurt your feelings. You know what I mean? You could kind of start to get in that mode of like, shit, come on, no way. But it's like, wait a second, let me acknowledge this. And then let me step back from it and go, okay, what am I going to do about this? And then choosing to go get in tune with your kid shows her that you love her exactly how she is. Right. And I mean, the role of the father, what more is that than to get in tune with that kid? Dude, incredible. I love it. Thanks, man. It's good, bro. It's good. So yeah. my last question to you is about legacy. Imagine yourself 30 years down the road. You're standing out on the street. You're peering into the homes of your children. And they, they might be married. They might have kids now. What is it that you see inside those homes that you know is from the day in and day out work that you've been doing every day with your actions and your words and your intentionality. So when you peer in those homes, what's the legacy you see that, that the work of Glenn poured into those kids' families? You know, I, I want my kids to understand that they have a responsibility to make an impact in other people's lives. Hmm. The, the word impact is like, that's like, that's, that's my word, right? That's, that's who I am in my soul, in my core. Uh, and it took me a long time to realize that I've always had a gift of making an impact in other people's lives, but I used to use it for evil. Now oh, I use it for wow. good, right? And so when I look through those windows, I want to see grown, grown adults who understand that there is responsibility in 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 life man we have been given a gift the gift of life we had the ability to create to dream to cast visions to 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 do all of these things but all of those gifts everything that we've been given is for one reason as far as i'm concerned one reason only and that's to make an impact on others this is not golf this is not a solo sport life is not a solo sport so whether your role and your destiny is to make an impact through poverty, maybe your maybe your role is to make an impact through uh, a cancer battle. Maybe your role is to make an impact through the loss of a limb. Maybe the role is to make an impact through getting beat as a child. Maybe your role is to make an impact by spending some time homeless and trying to drown yourself in the Pacific mm. Ocean. I don't know what it looks like for you and I don't know what it looks like for my kids, but I do want them to know and understand that that's why we're here. And mm -hmm. so with that responsibility, you know, with great power comes great responsibility um, to go out and make an impact. Born on date, expiration date, the dash, impact. That's mm. it. Man, something you said, uh, so rich, so powerful, but something you said is that we all have the ability Right. I mean, clearly the idea of having an impact, it's not about us, but you said we all have the ability and that your job is to show your kids that they have the ability to make an impact. And so I would just stress to you dads out there who no one's telling you that Glenn's telling you that right now, you have the ability. So go choose to figure that out and then go teach your kids that they have the ability. If you want the power to have the great responsibility, then just go get it. You have the ability. And Glenn's telling you that right now. And I'm just coming alongside agreeing uh, because then you have the opportunity to go pour that into your kids. And that's legacy. What yes, you're talking right. about is not just about your family. It's about future generations of people. And that's what we need. Like, look at our world right now. How badly do we need leadership and, and stability? And where does that start? It starts mm. in your home. That's it. Right. And That's who it. does it start with? It starts with the dad choosing to serve their family. No Ooh. doubt. Bro, I'm so fired up right now. <laughs> Glenn, man, I appreciate you. I just love talking fatherhood with you. Uh, keep being the dude that you are, inspiring the world around you, being intentional with your story, with your life. Loving your kids. Maybe you should have some more kids because hey, clearly you're poor. Hey, calm down, man. Calm down, <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you're going a little too far here. <laughs> Bro, I love it. Dude, Glenn, thank you. I look forward to following you and just learning more about you. And real quick before we end, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, sure. If you go to glennlundy.com, uh, that links to all social media channels and you know all the stuff. So glennlundy.com is the best place. Oh, love it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ned. It's been great.
Man, is Glenn just a rad dude or what? I so enjoyed the conversation. Really intentional dude, intentional dad, inspiring, so inspiring. So don't wait any longer. Go to glennlundy.com, go get his free book, The Morning Five, and go spend 67 days changing your life. Hey, nobody's going to do it for you. You have the opportunity, the tools in front of you. You wouldn't be here if you weren't trying to become the best father, husband, man that you know that you're capable of being. So go check it out, glennlundy.com, The Morning Five, 67 Days. Bro, you have what it takes. Yes, 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 you do. Man, love it. Hey, every Monday I'll put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Glenn. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls under the same spot Rebel and Create, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood. And right now I'm discussing core values in your home. So I just put out um, three of four. So next week will be four of four. So just go check it out. It's a quick 10, 15 minutes um, talking about core values and the value of putting that in your home. So check that out. And then you can send me a question and talk about different things on there. But I know we're busy. Life is full. So something a little shorter for you. I want to say thank you to all your dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. You and I in our homes the work we're doing, it matters, my friend. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. You, the dude listening to this right now. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Make sure to write a review if you haven't. Share this with a friend. Let's get the word out that fatherhood matters and inspire other dudes to embrace their role. Talk to you next time, man.